This is War Vessel Radio, standing firm upon the truth of Jesus Christ and speaking triumphantly from the Word of God, boldly living from a position in Christ and decreasing so that Jesus will increase, proclaiming to the world the gospel of Jesus Christ and a hope and a future found in Him. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 57 of the War Vessel Radio podcast. So glad um, that you guys have joined me again this week. Uh, before getting into the topic I've picked from uh, Considering Job, or cons- the book of Job and the series Considering Job, uh, I just wanted to give a short plug to a friend of of Laura and of mine from Laura's community out in Washington. Um, she has created this uh, audio drama of psalm 18 and it is a really cool thing with lots of different uh, voices and characters and sounds um, and it's very well put together and you can find this on uh, i've listened to it on spotify and i saw that it was on amazon music i'm sure it's on a couple of the other major uh, streaming platforms apple music and um, apple podcasts and whatnot but really good uh, thing that encourage you guys to look into and support her in it is called uh, he is faithful radio and she has one release out so far um for this audio drama it's about 25 minutes long um and it's on psalm 18 and so it's a it's a dramatization of the scripture psalm 18 and also of the life of christ so i'd highly recommend you guys go check that out and support uh someone else who is spreading the the gospel message through um, audio and in a different way than podcasting. Um, so, yes, check check out what she's done over at He Is Faithful Radio and give that a listen. All right, so looking and diving into chapter 2 of Job. Last week we finished off with chapter 1 where Job has experienced this tragedy in his life um, and his livelihood, his wealth, his family have been totally taken off the earth and dismantled uh, in front of his eyes, and he is left with nothing and but great sorrow and pain in his heart and life. And um, his response to that is one of blessing the Lord and and not cursing God and recognizing that he came into this world with nothing, and he leaves with nothing. And there's this perspective of balanced, and he has control over the attitude of his heart that could be in this situation. He has control over um, his mouth, and that's kind of what uh, angle I want to look at moving into chapter two here, because uh, basically what happened in chapter one, version two point happens in chapter two, um, and we'll read that. It's a pretty short chapter, so I'm going to read the whole thing quickly, um, and then we'll talk about that. But just preliminary here, Job just got finished with the first suffering, um, and now Satan's back for round two because he didn't accomplish his goal uh, in bringing Job down in his first round of persecuting Job. So now he's coming back again, and um, we get to see God's response, and we get to see Job's response, and then I will talk about that, and we can talk about that and discuss some of what's going on. So starting in chapter 2 down to 
uh, chapter 3. Again there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth, and from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? And still he holds fast to his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without cause. So Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yes, all that a man has he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your hand, but spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with painful boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head, and he took for himself a potsherd with which to scrape himself while he sat in the midst of the ashes. Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God, and shall we not accept adversity? And all this Job did not sin with his lips. Now when Job's three friends heard of all this adversity that had come upon him, one, each one came from his own place, Eliaphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namathite, for they had an appointment together to come and mourn with him and comfort him. And when they raised their eyes from afar and did not recognize him, they lifted their voices and wept, and each one tore his robe and sprinkled dust on his head toward heaven. So they sat down with him in the on the ground seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his grief was very great. So, um, we see that basically a parallel to what happened in chapter 1 happens in chapter 2. Um, Satan did not accomplish what he hoped to accomplish in having Job uh, give up on the Lord and curse the Lord and turn his back against the Lord. And so he receives a second opportunity to do that. Um, and again, the Lord has his hand upon Job and spares uh, Job from taking from Satan taking his life. But we see that Satan now has power over the flesh of Job to uh, inflict him with these, these bo painful boils. And I wish I had um, honestly dug deeper into more of what this disease would have looked like. What, cause I, I, I get the sense that I know what boils are, but I really don't think I do. And I'm, I'm sure that um, knowing Satan, he understands the type of affliction that the human body is just extremely um, weak to and what, our mind would be weak to, uh, just because he is crafty in things of pain and of torture and of evil, and he would know what disease and what sickness to bring upon a person that would discourage them to the point where they would want to curse God. And so I'm sure that's what happened here, that Job was inflicted with the worst that the enemy could throw at him, something that wouldn't kill him but would slowly... Uh, sap at his mental strength, his body strength um, that was extremely painful and um, physically disgusting. Um, I think boils are kind of like full of pus and, and disgusting smells and all sorts of stuff from what I've heard. Um, don't take my word for that. Um, 
Sorry, my headphone set just went off there for a second. I got distracted. But we're back in business. Um, so don't take my word for that uh, medical description of boils, but I think that's what it is. So anyway, here Job's been, um, everything's taken away from him. He still was left with his health and well-being, and now that's been taken away from him, and he's been fully put to the test. And uh, even his wife, and I've heard jokes about his wife, you know, that she was spared and Satan was, and Satan knew that's because she would be a perfect ally in his ability to break Job down. And I think it's funny, yes, but it is a little harsh in terms of that Job's wife also experienced all of this tragedy, the same as him and all of her children and all of her wealth that she had come to live with and all of her prosperity underneath the righteousness of Job, uh, was taken away and now she's left shattered as well in this um and her reaction though not what we would hope for in in a person is is still in a way um you can see why she reacted the way she did as a wife and as a mother of of children that have just been killed um but still, this is um, another blow to Job when his wife comes and says, do you still hold fast to your integrity, curse God, and die? It's a pretty horrible, um, discouraging thing to say to somebody, especially uh, somebody like a wife who's really close to who you who you are and um, knows you and what you stand for. To hear that would be quite demoralizing, I'm almost certain. But his response to her is what I kind of want to focus on here. And it is, once again, it's the diffusing response that he, it's similar to the diffusing response he had in chapter one. Um, but he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God and shall we not accept adversity? And all this Job did not sin with his lips. I think what is so fascinating about Job is he is not a hypocrite. Um, he is not. Um, just loosely walking through this world in prosperity, um, and then at the slightest provocation of hardship, he just um, turns his back against God and wonders why you know bad things are happening to him and how a good God could allow bad things to happen to him. Excuse me. Um, he he maintains his his integrity, and this is what's directly under attack and what uh, God praises and. Um, what Satan is seeking to overcome in his life is his integrity before the Lord. Um, and he recognizes that a person can't just expect to receive good from God and not also expect to re to have some hardship as well, that the Lord is good in all things that he does. Uh, and I think that's very profound. The other thing that I've been reflecting on in this passage is um, Job's bridling of his tongue, and I think we'll get into that a little bit more here in this book, particularly in chapter 29, where we look at um, how Job lived his life as a man, and if you've listened to Eric Ludy or the people over at Ellerslie and Nathan, they talk about uh, the character of Job and how that is a, it is like the Proverbs 31 um, chapter for men. It is, you know, Job 29 is the man chapter, if you will, describing what a righteous man should be and what a man before the Lord should be and act like and what his life should represent. Um, 
And it is an astounding parallel to who Jesus is and the life Jesus led and the authority that Jesus had. So anyway, but Job has this um, power over his tongue where he does not say rash things in his affliction, in his um, distress, in pain, um, and mental anguish. He chooses to, um, he doesn't, I'm trying to think about how to phrase it exactly. Uh, he doesn't question God here in this. He just takes it for what it is um, and saying, uh, you know, basically, should we not, if we expect good from God, should we not also expect bad? And if we're willing to receive one, should we not be willing to receive the other from him? And I think that's really profound. Um, uh, I was reading Psalm 12 and 13, and I found Psalm 13 to be pretty uh, parallel to the life of Job and and also of Jesus. And Psalm 12 as well, I thought maybe I'd read both of them, uh, because Psalm 12 talks about this tongue, which is what I'm getting at, so I think I'll read at least half of Psalm 12. So this is the beginning of Psalm 12, and I'm focusing on a godly man who has a righteous tongue and has a tongue of control. So in verse 12, um, starting in verse 12 of, of Psalm, Help, Lord, for the godly man ceases, for the faithful disappear from among the sons of men. They speak idly, every one with his neighbor, with flattering lips and a double heart they speak. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaks proud things, who have said, With our tongue we will prevail, our lips are our own, who is Lord over us. For the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy, now I will arise, says the Lord, and I will set him in the safety for which he yearns. Um, and so just looking at that the Lord um, resists and cuts off the tongue that is proud, the tongue that speaks proud things, that puts its faith in uh, its lips and its own words. And we see in Job that he does the exact opposite with his his mouth. He he praises God in his adversity. He he doesn't trust in his own words, at least not yet. As we get uh, further into the book, it gets a little more complicated to discern um, what's Job saying and how is he right here or is he wrong in saying that, especially with the commentary on the friends. Um, it becomes a little bit more mind-boggling to follow along with. Um, and so, but at the moment in the beginning of his adversity where uh he is immediately faced with the ability to to turn his back against God. He doesn't, and he holds his tongue. And then I wanted to look at uh, Psalm 13 as well, because as I was reading through Psalm 12, I just realized that Psalm 13 is really a short, almost thesis statement or uh, pattern for the book of Job, if you will, and what Job experienced and how it ends. So I'm gonna I'm gonna read that Psalm chapter 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Enlighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest my enemies say, I have prevailed against him. Lest those who trouble me rejoice when I am moved, but I have trusted in your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord for because he has dealt bountifully with me. 
um, I think it's encouraging to hear um, one that psalm from David parallel with that of Job and seeing righteous men struggle uh, with the things they're facing and going to these dark places in their life where um, they feel as if the Lord is not present in their life and that he's almost abandoned them in a sense. And that's not what they're necessarily getting at. They recognize the Lord's there, but this distress in their heart uh, feels that way. And I think uh, probably not to the level of Job and David, but each one of us in, at some point in our life goes through a very dark point like that where we question where the Lord is and what he's doing and why we feel left alone to wrangle with our own emotions and our own uh, the darkness that we're dealing with. But the Lord is very present in the situation. In the story of Job, God is there watching over Job the entire time. And even before the this hardship, God had his hand and his eyes upon Job and was in his mind, he was the righteous person on earth. He was a just man and a perfect man, a blameless man in God's eyes. And God has not left Job in this situation, even though he has given Satan certain authority over Job's life. Rather, the Lord is quietly being exalted and glorified through how Job gives uh, his life unto God and does not curse or rebuke the Lord. And that is a glorification of the of God that um, when it talks about in the New Testament, the that God uses the weak things of world, the world to shame the things that are strong. That is, this is a representation of that, that um, God is taking a weak thing in Job and the weakness of his life and is using that weakness as a demonstration against Satan that weakness and faith in God are stronger than a strongness without faith in God, with a cursing um, that... Uh, the Lord is glorified no matter what, and a, and He uses the weakness of His vessels to to demonstrate that, which is a huge huge encouragement. And I think you could look at basically uh, a pattern through Scripture of every every righteous man that walked on the earth that that you would find that there was a darkness that took place in their life, a crisis moment. It even happened uh, with Jesus and before the cross and facing. Uh, facing death, and and I I don't even know that it was death so much that he was uh, that he was afraid of going through, but rather the weight of bearing all the sin of the world, the the recognition of uh, a separation spiritually from his father, which is mind blowing to think about uh, God being separated from God in a way because of taking on that burden of sin for us, and so. I'm not really sure what to take away from this because it, it feels large and huge, And but there is a part of me that so longs and yearns to have something that each of these righteous men have and to have that core that Jesus had before his father of, of enduring a great struggle and a great um, suffering and hardship for the purpose of the glory of God, for a larger purpose than themselves in their own life, recognizing that God is perfect in all his ways and he is just and he is a loving God, and he is a good God. And even if we don't feel those things in the moment, he is still worthy, and he is much higher than us, and he is deserving. 
And we'll come to see in Job when God enters a situation, how God lays to rest any question of who he is and what he handles on a daily basis and why he is deserving of our praise and why he is deserving of our admiration, even in the really, really hard things. He is watching over and handling all of life's circumstances, and he has the grand big picture. And one day we will actually be able to witness from one end of of the beginning of time to the through eternity, we will see his plan orchestrated and why he's chosen to do things the way he's cho- chosen to do it. And I think when we get there and we're able to uh, fully appreciate, if we're ever able to fully appreciate, but I believe when we, the other side, on this side of heaven, we can't really fully appreciate what he's doing because we don't have the full heavenly perspective, but I believe in eternity and when we're walking fully as Jesus is in heaven, then we will have a renewed perspective of what God is doing on the earth. And it'll be an amazing thing to see how what felt like really huge, big, dark deals in our lives were actually working for a a glory and a light that outshines that darkness tremendously more than what we could possibly imagine or think or even uh, have expected in that or even have hoped to expect. And so I feel like that is the big uh, thing that we're dealing with is Job is we're really seeing the portrayal of how one man is is put to the test between that of of God and the enemy and how his life is a testimony to how the Lord will choose to put use weak things to push put to shame darkness and to glorify and exalt himself and that should be our encouragement that uh, God is more than willing in our lives to to use just our individual walk before him as a way to exalt himself and that is amazingly profound that when I think about it even though you know currently I'm not going through extremes amount of of suffering um, a little bit here and there in ways but it's nothing compared to what Job's going through in this book but to think that the Lord would uh, consider me to be uh, worthy of suffering to uh, put to shame the enemy that is as mocking God's name and mocking his servants is a tremendous gift even and humbling beyond belief and something I was considering today I went on a, a mini prayer walk was um, more and more as my faith before Jesus is growing um, and as I feel him, just moving deeper and deeper into my life in different ways so um, increases my uh, acknowledgement of my own inability and my own um, filthiness and wretchedness before him in ways that I haven't experienced before. And I think it's so interesting that with the deepening of a relationship before God, there comes a deepening of our own inability which really just makes us, we need to cast that onto the Lord. And that's exactly what I felt I needed to do today was just, Lord, I, there's certain things going on in my life that I don't feel capable of handling. And, uh, you know, it's been a while, as sad as it is to admit it, that I could remember just saying, Lord, here it is. <clears throat> I can think of doing it with individual things, but not, you know, with the grand spectrum and just actually sighing that spiritual sigh of relief, uh, and handing that over to Jesus in my life. And it felt so good to be like, Lord, uh, 
here's my life. Here are these specific things. Here are, here's the generalness of my life. And I am not adequate or worthy to even be tackling these things, but somehow you have me in them and I need you to accomplish them because I am not able, I am not uh, clean to do these. And through your spirit is the only way that um, I can do it or that I will be able to do it. And through the name of your son, Jesus. And there is a huge uh, just burden lifted and a flowing of um, power. I don't want to, power, sometimes when we say it makes it sound like, you know, um, just like I could go knock trees down or, you know, just go boldly preach. And that's not really, uh, sometimes, but that's not really the power that I'm talking about in this moment. It's more of just a resolve and a strength that comes in quietly that, um, and it's almost a peaceful strength. Like there's just a satisfaction with, with, um, Jesus in your life and him growing and, um, even just wanting to glorify him. That is an amazing gift from the Holy Spirit that when that comes in. So all that to say, I guess, is, um, there are some things I'm learning and walking through and how it's, uh, how the Lord is revealing things through the life of Job and how that translate to Jesus and the life of Jesus and who Jesus is and what he's trying to accomplish in our life and the grand eternal perspective and heavenly perspective of what life events, both good and bad, are, uh, are being uh, ordained by God for his glory which is tremendous because it's all for his glory. It's none of it really is for us, which is another part about when Job says, you know, shall we accept good from God and not accept bad? Um, when we're thinking about, when we think about this topic, it is because um, God is using the good and our bad and the bad in our, our lives that he is, he's using those to orchestrate his glory. And um, I think that's simply profound. So, Anyway, I'm going to wrap it up because I'm nearly at the half hour mark. Thank you all for listening. Um, really hope it's encouraging to you that there's stuff you can glean and pull from this. Um, you know, I'd love to hear from any of you if you have questions or thoughts or ways you could even humble me and um, provide insight or correction to something I've said or anything like that or prayer or prayer requests. Would love to hear that. Um, so yeah, thank you guys for listening, and I look forward to sharing again next week. Thank you for listening to War Vessel Radio. If you enjoyed this podcast, please follow and share this podcast with others so the truth of Jesus Christ will continue to spread. Thanks again for listening, and may the love, joy, peace, and grace of Jesus fill you today. 